What's up, Gen X? Welcome back. It is good to be with you. I'm glad you're here. I miss you, and I look forward to our time each week to get together and talk about whatever it is that we want to talk about. And I hope all is well in your corner of the world. To start things off, uh, we had the Juneteenth celebration uh, this past uh, week, and that's why I'm I'm surprised how few people are aware that this is a thing. It's and it seems to be catching on more and more you know, in the post 2020 George Floyd world. This is something that seems to have garnered a lot of tension and 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 recognition and and it's one that I actually think is a very positive thing. I, I have zero problem with Juneteenth, if you want to call it Juneteenth, if you want to call it Freedom Day, whatever it is, it's it's not some made-up cock and bull crap like Kwanzaa. It's an actual thing. It's an actual event based on a historical event that was very significant. And for those of you who don't know, Juneteenth is the the commemoration of the sort of the last area within the United States post Civil War when word finally got out that slavery had been abolished and the constitution had been amended to eradicate slavery and the word after like 2 years it which seems just absurd from our vantage point but word finally got to Galveston, Texas which was the last place in the union that was a got that final confirmation that slavery was done away. And so it's kind of the commemoration of that final ending of slavery within the United States. But it's one of those things I think it's very, it's a very constructive thing to commemorate. You know, certainly a lot better than like Groundhog Day or Arbor Day. Those aren't national holidays, but but still. I mean, with all the other kind of cock and bull crap that we commemorate uh, in our country and in our culture... This is one I think that's actually very good because it's something that everybody can agree on that slavery was a nightmare, shouldn't have happened, and you know slavery at any any time anywhere is bad, whether it's modern day or the Jews in Egypt or anyone else in the history of humanity that slavery is awful and that slavery in the American colonies and the United States was also awful. It was unique and and we can all agree that it was a good thing that it ended and probably ended way too late and we are as a result we're still wearing that stain of that. But it could be a uniting event where we can, you know, celebrate the freedom of those slaves and those and their descendants and everyone else we can celebrate that freedom not unlike what we do on july 4th a number of weeks later and but it it, i think it could be a very a good thing Um, although from a personal perspective i still had to go into work it was not yet a recognized official company holiday yet although our sister company and some others in the area did recognize it I, I again i think it's one of those things that where the time is short that and until when everybody recognizes that as a official uh, legal holiday national holiday company holiday and and so on you know much like 
many others. So I, I think it's a it's a very positive thing, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that it took this long. It, it seems kind of <laughs> kind of curious that it did. But uh, sadly, there were I saw notes of several shootings around Juneteenth celebrations, which is very odd. Um, there were you know, some in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in suburban Willowbrook here in in the Chicago area. Uh, it's just really weird. I, I don't know why. Uh, well, I guess you can probably guess why. That these areas are very blue, <laughs> and these tend to be where these types of nonsensical things. Uh, things occur but we can we can commemorate that we can recognize it and celebrate that it's over i think another thing we can be glad that it's over is the this weird event held at the white house to commemorate uh pride month which if they want to do that i don't really care it's not something that i put in the intention to or celebrate but if others want to and it's meaningful for them that's absolutely fine with me i have zero issue with that and if they want to commemorate that at the white house or at governor's mansions or city halls or whatever fine it it doesn't bother me at all but there were a number of peculiarities at the white house event that i thought it was worth uh, discussing and breaking down first of which was and you know they invited a number of trans activists and and internet personalities, TikTok personalities, whatever. I don't I don't know who these people are, but they're in our modern culture. They're significant, right? These influencers, so they get invited to this shindig. Okay, whatever. But there was one in particular whose name is Rose Montoya, I believe. And along with some other trans activists, were taking these smiling videos and photos of them all topless, where these trans men and their surgical scars are are happy and smiling and topless. And Rose Montoya, who is a trans woman, had her top down, but covering her delicates and and shaking them and smiling and laughing and whatever and that caused a very swift and unsurprising backlash <laughs> for a number of of reasons just for first the vulgarity of it and second just being on the white house lawn with the colonnades behind them and and just such poor taste and just is not beginning to scratch the surface of it and how, how we have just lost all sense of decorum in events like that at the White House is beyond me. And Rose came out with a video decrying their critics, saying that they're transphobic. Of course, you're going to say that. And it's and it's not illegal in Washington, D.C. to go topless for you know, women and free the nipple and all this other kind of... Just, it shows you how just obtuse <laughs> Rose Montoya and people like her are. Because that's not the issue at all. If you want to go topless, whatever. It, it's not something I'm going to be checking out. I don't care. Whatever. But when you're at the White House, when you're at a White House event, and this goes for anybody, I, I don't care if it's the NCAA men's basketball team who won the championship that's going to meet the president and, and give him a uniform with his name and, and a, a number on it. 
there is a way that you act in that setting. There just is. And if you're not civil enough to do that, you don't do it. I mean, this is not in the middle of a pride parade where you're showing off whatever, which is a whole other thing. But in the White House lawn, (laughs) that is just not something you do. And the fact that it's not illegal in Washington, D.C. for women to go topless is not even an issue. Because no one was saying that you ought to be arrested for this. No one was saying that you need to be registered as a sex offender for this or whatever. What everyone was saying is, how do you not know better? (laughs) How, How are you doing? This is what our government has stooped down to, where people are smiling topless in front of the White House. It was just bizarre. And to back that up, the White House, in, after first defending those actions, came back and, and clarified that those individuals, I think there may have been three or four in total, uh, will no longer be invited back to further White House functions. So the White House seemed to agree with everybody else who rolled their eyes at those actions, Rose. Sorry, it's just not something that we are interested in. Uh, but you know the what's curious with that though the White House comes out and, and and acknowledges that explicit behavior like that is not appropriate at the White House, no kidding. But yet they, the White House does not have any problem apparently with similar behavior at drag shows with children present. They still push explicit books with graphic content at schools. They still maintain that gender-affirming care to minors is not grooming. But when it makes them look bad at the White House, then they are going to deem it inappropriate. I found that a little bit on the curious side, to say the least. But then also was what was very weird was that at the event, the White House had you know, this pride flag flung or hung in the middle of in the colonnades around the White House in the middle of the U.S. flag, two flags on either side of it, which is such a gross breach of flag etiquette on every level and may not mean anything to them, but to a lot of people, it still means something. For example, you know, I'm you. I know all you know. I'm a Cubs fan. I have season tickets for for the Cubs at Wrigley Field, and after every game when the Cubs win, they fly a white flag with a W on it that indicates that the Cubs won. Going back to when you know people would be going home on the red line just behind the stadium, and if they saw that the flag flying on Wrigley Field, they'd know that the Cubs had won that day. That's kind of where that comes from. And so a lot of times people will bring. W flags at games when they win, they fly it, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people do it at their house and so on in the area. It's just, just a thing, whatever. So there, there is a flag that means something to people. I, for one, could never imagine either flying or advocate flying the W flag in the middle of two U.S. flags at the same height. That's just not proper flag etiquette. It just isn't. There's a reason why... 
we do that type of etiquette. One is symbolic, but two, it it does have some actual meaning that we as Americans do not cede our freedom and our liberty to any other flag or group. We just don't. And if the pride flag means something to you, that's awesome. But if you're in a government building setting, it's not something that is flown in the same height or even predominant. It just isn't. It was such, it just shows you how obtuse this, this administration is. And what, one other thing I, I did find interesting, um, and the whole, uh, uh, the, the trans narrative now that we're in, in Pride Month. Uh, a lot of talk with, you know, along the same lines of trans women competing in women's sports and, and that type of thing. A lot of talk about uh, in the entertainment industry, having different categories for awards and so on. Uh, Jamila Jamil, I don't know if, if you're aware of her, she was... Uh, in a number of uh, of TV shows, um, but she kind of is not is someone who's definitely on the left side of the political spectrum. But she pushed back at that, where she said this this week, people are quiet quitting the left because, and it's because of reductive, combative extremists, and uh, uh, in talking about these different categories for awards. Coming from her perspective, I found that very interesting that, first of all, she's noticing people quite quitting the left, you know, you know, the Joe Rogans of the world and Bill Mars of the world, right, where they say, hey, <laughs> I've stayed the same and the left has gone crazy you know, past me. But then she further goes on to state that it's because of reductive combative extremists and you just have to look online and and see all of the threatening behavior and rhetoric for anybody who disagrees with them, trans ideology being chief among them. So it, it, I thought that was a very interesting thing, you know, considering uh, the context. Okay. Uh, this past week, I did see a number of stories that kind of further uh, validate everything that we have been saying for several years about the origins of the pandemic and the reluctance to acknowledge those origins and the cover-up of it and the labeling of any of that as conspiracy theorists and so on. Well, first, the, uh, Robert F. Kennedy apparently was on Joe Rogan this past week. I have not had a chance to listen to it. Um, I plan to as as I head off to Europe uh, this week. I'll take some time on the flight to listen to that. I'm just curious to see or listen to what he has to say. But it, the reaction to his appearance on that was so much screeching and wailing. I don't know if it's because he's a Kennedy. I don't know if it's because he's a Democrat. I don't know if it's because he's, for all things being equal, a traditional liberal. But man, was there screeching for anything that that he was claiming on it or, or any of these uh, clarif clarifications of the origins of the virus. 
just people screeching and and I saw many people reference this this old axiom and it can it bears repeating that the truth does not mind being questioned it doesn't but a lie will fight back every time and if you've ever you've had any kind of relationship with somebody who is a serial liar who has cheated and just will not acknowledge truth you know exactly what i'm talking about this behavior this pattern is very familiar to you and it was to me this week as well an example on that is this guy by the name of peter hotez he's some kind of notable uh virologist or scientist or whatever and he was has been screeching on you know people deny or bring up any kind of question regarding the vaccines or um, what have you and and in response to uh, robert f kennedy's appearance on his show rogan responded to him said hey anytime you want to come on and debate on my show you're welcome to you two can debate and you can see where it stands and of course he just screeched and pushed back because you know while the truth doesn't mind being questioned lied you know, obviously does not um and and now this is the same guy who said that heavyweights from the doj and dhs should be weaponized against vaccine skeptics so <laughs> he's willing to say that kind of thing but when someone pushes back on it you know he screeches and and wants to claim victim status also this week, I saw CDC released, released some data that showed that the COVID vaccinated are much more likely to be hospitalized than those who are not vaccinated. And they've also shown that the long-held claim that COVID vaccines keep hospitals from being overrun was complete BS. According to the CDC data that people wanted to cite, they... That data does not show that being vaccinated keeps you from being hospitalized. So, again, truth doesn't mind being questioned, but uh-oh. And it's also been made clear by CDC that it's very likely that the push for the vaccine, not only did it not help, it actually prolonged the pandemic and, and made it worse. So, again, I, I struggle to understand what for this whole believe the science crowd what did they have right from the fall of 2019 until today what did they have right i'm struggling to think of one example i can think of dozens that they've been wrong on that they claimed conspiracy anti-science anti-vax whatever that they were wrong again and again and again so if if you were mocked like I was, if you told that you had your head buried in the sand like I was because you questioned things, you can pat yourself on the back and feel vindicated this week. Because evidence has shown now in a number of reports from the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal that the first three people, essentially patient zero of the COVID-19 pandemic, were science or scientists experimenting with SARS-like viruses in the Wuhan lab and connected with the EcoHealth Alliance 
and Peter Daszak. We've been talking about that for a long time. So, Gen X, you can feel free to take a second, take a deep breath, and pat yourselves on the back because you have been right for a long time. Good on you. <laughs> Spike the football. Do your dance in the end zone. Celebrate. You were right. And coincidentally, now all of these quote-unquote experts and these vaccine enthousi- enthusiasts, they ironically want to be left off the hook or let off the hook for their errors and being wrong. You know, we, we, we shouldn't have, or we should be forgiven for thinking what that. I mean, everyone was scared. Everyone was worried. No, in fact, you were wrong. There are many of us who actually, you know, had some, some stones to, to face it, but you were the ones who were screeching and hysterical and videotaping people and shaming them and whatever. No, I don't think we're going to let you off the hook just quite yet. Although, you know, there's a dude who was let off the hook this week, and it's your favorite uh, nudity and crack enthusiast. <laughs> that that would be Hunter Biden, who this past week received a, a very sweetheart deal uh, this past week from the Department of Justice. I don't know how this could have been or- orchestrated, but he's going to plead guilty to two tax charges and one charge for lying on a gun application. I think this shows you that there are some people in power who just want this issue to go away. And you can rest assured that you or me or anyone else that you know, if you were brought up on these tax charges or on a gun charge, you would not be let off so easily. Think about Wesley Snipes. Remember how he got two years in prison for much lesser tax charges. Is, is this what is this what white privilege look like? It, it might. It, it seems so. But coincidentally, this same week, uh, Trump's trial regarding the uh, confidential documents was expedited to August. Now, remember, this is these are the charges that are being brought by the Department of Justice and the sitting president who has done the same thing with his own confidential documents, although he was, was not present at the time when he gathered his information. So he is arrested and charging an expediting trial for his chief political opponent for something that he himself has done. I mean, this, this is not the country that you think it is. We have now become something else. Another and just mind-blowing example of of this from from the ex- executive branch. Apparently, the Pentagon found through an a, what they are calling an accounting error an extra six point two billion dollars in military aid for Ukraine. An accounting error. Now, if any of you have worked in accounting or finance, or whatever, you know just how ridiculous and what bunk an accounting error to the magnitude of $6.2 billion is. I don't know if this is just incompetence or if this is just a very slick way to 
add more spending without having to go through a Republican-held Congress? I don't know. But man, I am not buying it. I have been in enough balance sheet review meetings and seen enough reconciliations to know that a $6.2 billion accounting error does not happen. That whoever is trying to push that is lying to you. And you need to ask yourself why. Because like we always say, whenever the government operates in secret, you must presume guilt. All right, and our last item along the presumed guilt angle is coming from New York again. And boy, just what a what a cesspool that place is. And what just... <sighs> Fat Alvin Bragg, he has that city in just bad shape. As I saw a story, or if you remember a couple of weeks ago, there's that um, tussle in the subway and the chokehold from, you know, Daniel Penny... Uh, from the homeless man, whatever, and who died later. Now he's being you know, brought up on murder charges. Well, I saw where uh, a man named Jordan Williams was arrested after fatally, fatally stabbing De Victor Oadrago, who's 36 years old. Now, this Oadrago dude was an ex-con, and he was harassing the couple on the J train in New York, and punched the woman that he's that Jordan Williams was with in the face. And uh, her boyfriend, Jordan Williams, then pulls out a knife and stabbed and killed him. And but but prior to that, you know, they had scuffled, they had each other in headlocks and then and ultimately ends up with with uh, this guy dying. And then Jordan Williams was then promptly and swiftly arrested the next day and charged with manslaughter and criminal possession of a weapon. I don't know if you've heard of this. I don't know if... if I, I don't remember any, any protests on this, you know, like there were with Daniel Penny. I don't remember charges of uh, racism and, and, and lynching and whatever. And it may, it may just well be that it's because Jordan Williams is black. Again, now we just celebrated Juneteenth and we are celebrating the freedom of everybody and people like Jordan Williams. But yet, when he's arrested for defending not only himself, but the woman he was with, he's arrested the next day. On the surface of this, of course, we always reserve right to change our mind once more facts and, and detail come out. This seems like Daniel Penny 2.0. It seems so egregiously unjust on the surface. Now, if if his arrest came after a few weeks or investigation and detail and testimony came out that there's something more to this than just a little snippet like that I read to you, then yeah, okay, I can understand that You know, now that you know better, something else is here and now we have reason and evidence to charge him. But just on that knee-jerk, what you heard, and he was arrested immediately for that, is chilling. Is absolutely chilling. It's chilling that the DA in New York is putting the lives of crazy people ahead of 
normal, peaceful citizens in New York City like Daniel Penny and Jordan Williams. And it's disgusting. I don't know how to change that. I don't know what you need to do in New York or if you're just going to flee just like people in San Francisco are because of the crime's gotten so bad. I don't know what the answer is. But I do know that it's nonsense. And it's also nonsense, if, if you want to talk about systemic racism, that this story of Jordan Williams gets very little attention simply, presumably because of the color of his skin, because it doesn't stoke some racial racial narrative. But when it does, like say Daniel Penny, then it's a thing. But when it's Jordan Williams, not a ripple. That's disgusting. And somehow that's got to change. And I think the week of Juneteenth is a perfect reminder that that needs to happen. So with that, I'll send you on your way. I hope all is well with you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and we'll see you next time. Or not. Whatever. <laughs>